Hey, what's up? So, Avalanche. Let's talk about it. What's, what's an avalanche? The snow comes down real fast, fierce, gains momentum. But I'm not talking about the natural disaster. Or if it's not really a disaster, I guess, if no one's around. But anyways, avalanche. What is it? You've heard about it. Now you're going to hear some more. It's an open source platform for launching decentralized finance applications, right? DeFi. That's what you want. Developers who build on Avalanche can easily create powerful, reliable, secure applications and custom blockchain networks with complex rule sets or build an existing private or public subnet. Right. I think what you should do right now is stop what you're doing. Even if it's listening to this podcast, stop, pull over, go to the gas station if you need to go to a subway. There's a subway like everywhere. There's always a subway. All right. Right, there's always a Kroger. Just stop in a parking lot somewhere. Go to avalabs.org to learn more. All right, stop. Go to avalabs. That's A-V-A labs, L-A-B-S dot org. Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. It's a Bitcoin Welcome back to the best part of your week, listening to the Bitcoin podcast. That's right. This is the Bitcoin podcast, meaning there are other Bitcoin podcasts, and they're not as good as this one, point blank, period. Oh, there's other crypto podcasts, and they're not as good as this one. Trust me. Uh, I'd know. Uh, this is the Bitcoin podcast, episode number 333. What a lucky number to be on. That's actually a pretty cool number. You know, wait, wait, wait. You know what's even cooler, D? What's that? There are three threes. Three is my favorite number. Okay. And today's my birthday. Oh, shit. Yeah. Damn. When did that happen? That's pretty cool, huh? happened that many years ago. How old are you? I was hoping he'd be 33, but that's not the case. I know, right? That that would actually be sad, but cool also. Yeah, no, I'm 29 now. Happy birthday, bro. 29. Thanks, yeah. You, you might as well round old. that shit up. Round I know. Round it up, bro. Tell me. Round it up. So who are you? We should probably introduce who ourselves. Yeah. Let's oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm the host that talks first. Uh, Dimitric. Oh. Yeah. Going with the full name. <laughs> I am it out there, bro. I am one of the other hosts, Dr. Corey Petty. And I'm the uh, newest third host, Jesse. Who's the 29 birth- today. Jesse, <laughs> the man, broke birthday man. 
What did you do for your birthday? I haven't done anything yet. I just woke up like an hour ago. Oh, that's <laughs> you're, you're, uh, 30 minutes Deacon ago. Frost, you're Deacon Frost. You sleep through <laughs> the day and stay up all night. Yeah. Um, dude, you should have a drink for your 29th. Maybe after we're done with this. Yeah. Fuck that shit. I'm having a drink right fucking now. Hey, me too. I'm <laughs> drinking an everyday session every IPA. day every day to make myself that's what it's called right that's what it's now. called and and this drink is going to be so ce- your so ce- this celebration is oh no you, sorry jesse founders <laughs> all day ipa for those who are interested this celebration Dang. is for you my good man so that's for you. you that's why i'm drinking <laughs> sure that's why i'm drinking <laughs> a little, yeah, now i got a reason a little neat whiskey it was man, friday jesse. and now it's just your birthday I can't drink too much because I actually have to go to the gym after this. I don't like to drink whiskey, a lot of it, and then go to the gym. But I am going to have to put... Do you see this drink <laughs> in my up. hand, Jesse? Hold up. Wow. Hold up. Hold yeah. up. Hold up. Hold up. Um, you don't like doing that because you've done it a lot before? Oh, yeah, bro. Lots of times. You I've just drank a bunch of whiskey to, the gym. <laughs> to go to the gym? <laughs> I have I have been almost drunk at the gym before. I've drinking like three beers and I'm like, okay, let me just stop fucking around and go to the gym. And it's not a good visit, but at least I got it in. That's uh, <laughs> Anyways, I, don't know, I don't know if I should be impressed to like the level of dedication you have to working out or like uh make fun of you for how irresponsible that is. I I don't know. I'm not I'm I'm torn. Well, Corey, you know I I'm leaning on the side of impression. Different. Impressive, Corey, Corey. I don't even know why you get it. Like, you know, you know the life I live. All right, you know what kind of life I live. You know it's random. All right. So, anyways, happy birthday, Jesse. Thanks, dude. Uh, you know what always helps me with getting old is knowing that everybody gets old. You know, so fuck it. Do it right. Yeah. Do it big. You know. Yeah. You know, it's great. Do you feel one year wiser? Yeah, for sure feel multi-years wiser what what did you learn this year that is starkly different than anything you've done in your life the previous year that difficult things are worthwhile and uh stay on that why this year man what taught you that so at some at some points in our life we do things that are very difficult and you know different points um it's kind of hard for some of the things we do to keep doing them. And, you know, it's okay to let things go, right? But some things that kind of are are core to what you feel that you should be doing, I don't think you should be letting go of those things. I understand that. That's a really good, like, follow-up to the message of don't, like, do difficult things. But what made you decide, like, what was this year that taught you that? Studying for this exam, dude. This exam sucks. <laughs> but it's great. I like it. How much? Right, let me see if I can. Let's let's dig a little deeper here. Let's dig a little deeper here. Um, or we don't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask. Like, I'm gonna ask hard question. questions here. I'm gonna ask hard <laughs> questions. Uh, how much of you is rationalizing your decision to do this by having that like? But like that, the concept of of thinking it's worthwhile to do hard things could be seen as a rationalization yeah. for doing hard things that suck. You're not yeah. that kind of doctor, Corey. What you know? You have no business Am asking wrong? questions. Like Am that. I wrong? So, so <laughs> are you saying that what what are the other points of of a person's psyche besides rationalization? 
I mean, I, I agree with you, but yeah. people could use that as a tool to rationalize getting through something that sucks, even though it may or may not be good for them. 100%, I agree. So that's what I'm saying. Like, what are the other things? What are the other components that are being weighed across besides rationalization? Like, because I would say feelings, like emotional state is is at play, right? Beyond beyond the mental state, right? Because I feel like rationalization is like, it's, uh you know, you can, you can, there's this concept of intellectualizing problems away, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... This is not me doing that with, with if, if, if intellectualization and rationalization can be used in order to alleviate a stress point in your life, this is not me doing that. Is it bad to do that? It's depends, right? It depends. It could be an active coping mechanism that is positive in some cases, depending on what it is but then it also can be negative. I agree with that. I'm going to try and spin this into Bitcoin. All right, do it. I have it. I, I've already got it to my head. I've already created it in the process of you answering me. How much rationalization or coping or, or, or people use as a coping mechanism for deal with losses in crypto? Or you know, there's a, there's a, or like or like um max like what's the word like maximalist mentality of like this. Oh, bro, right? I I can I can I can chime in here. Go for it, D. Um, then I'll give you the the psych answer. I've li- I lie to myself every day about how rich <laughs> about about how rich about how rich I would be if I see some of the opportunities that I could have seized. I had opportunities to buy hundreds of thousands of XRP. At one point, I, I've sat in on a thousand Ether because I got into it really, really early, and then I sold it off because... Feels. I don't know. Yeah, you sell it off because you're, like, you're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, these are, like, Corey, I don't know if you remember, but remember, I was like, man, I'm kind of into this ETH thing, and, and Tony Swish had... <laughs> Tony Swish had me into it and he sold mm-hmm. me a thousand of them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is kind of dope. <laughs> and then before it went up to a thousand dollars, I like sometime earlier in that year, I was like, okay, this has gone up a good amount. So I'm gonna go ahead and sell it. And then, you know, every day I wake up and I say, you know, there you're gonna go past bridges on the way to work. Don't don't face plan off of one. Just go to work. <laughs> just 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 go to work. And, and live your life. You're still doing just fine with the gains that you've had. And then the, the one of the XRP one is the one that I hate XRP now with my uh, soul. Like one, it sucks. I don't even think it's real crypto, but two, I could have, uh, you know, dipped my finger in the honey jar and I'd be doing all right right now off of XRP. And, you know, you just kind of live with it. You just like, you know, like you said, you rationalize it. But that's the different. That's a different side of what I'm asking. Um, okay, I'm talking. That's like dealing with uh, unrealized gains and not doing something that you should have done. Uh, which I guess is has an overlap with what I'm referring to, but it's more along the lines of like the things people. You're you're upset because you didn't do it, and you're like just you've dealt you've dealt with it, and you're okay. So you're not really rationalizing. Um, maybe continuing to hold on to that thing and still saying it's the greatest thing that's going to happen again. And there are, there are cohorts of people and 
I mean, I'd say even more so outside of Bitcoin, um, who have been just complete flops and failures and don't have any real utility, who still hold on to it in the name of it's one day it's going to take over the world. Like I would say like Ethereum Classic is an example of this. Yeah. Uh, like, and there's a bunch of other scams and bullshit that has has, has happened. Um, I don't agree with that, Alicia, but I'll, I'll let that slide. Alicia said Linux. I'm going to go ahead and say <laughs> hard, hard, hard no on that one. <laughs> Linux, the operating system? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't everything use Linux? In some kind, of, yeah, in some uh, way, shape, or form. Like, but some but like that, that concept is is interesting to me because I like, I know a lot of people who like they're just like. No, man, it's it's gonna go, and it's like, but it's all right. Like the ship has sailed. I've, I have lost a lot of opportunities due to inaction, particularly in the crypto space or premature action, like selling things to her, like D said. Mm-hmm. But yep. you just like <laughs> I chalk them up to losses because I didn't either pay enough attention or I made the wrong yeah. decision. Not like, mm-hmm. not like that's okay. It's just down for now. It's gonna skyrocket to unknown heights later on down the line. Yeah, premature action usually leads to losses for someone. So agreed, agreed, D. Um. <laughs> so what what kind yeah. of point were you trying to make, Corey, when you're oh, talking just... about people <laughs> who are Bitcoin Fuck maximalists, like who Fuck just trying to see say? Bitcoin? Oh, is this the it's... boomer episode? Is that is that what this episode is supposed oh, to be? Oh, we were gonna do a boomer episode. It could be. I yeah. was gonna say like, your dad's I think supposed it... to be here for that, Jesse. Your yeah, dad's we the to, boomer. We need to interview your dad for the boomer episode. So yeah, he 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 didn't want to come on. Oh, what? you're just gonna hate on him Why? from the outside? Like that's not fair. Huh? So we're hate we, on we just have to find another boomer. We'll find another one. Don't worry, they're out there. Just gotta catch them. <laughs> I, would bring, I would bring my dad on the show, but he'd call us. He'd get angry and call us motherfuckers. Really I would fast. love to talk to Ron <laughs> Ferguson about this. Yeah. I think he 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 definitely owns and buys Bitcoin regularly now, but he still doesn't understand it. Doesn't even want to. And doesn't give a fuck. And the very first time I told him. He was like, I don't give a fuck. Money is money. And I was like, oh, uh, dude, that's like my dad. D, D. as a substitute, <laughs> you could bring your dad. Yeah. Like, Ronnie is hilarious, by the, the way. I don't see what the big fucking deal is. It don't matter what the money is. I still need the shit to get what I want. I don't give a fuck. And I was like, uh, <laughs> uh, okay. That's a weird. But he considers it money. Yeah. He doesn't give a fuck as long as he can get yeah, what but he like, wants. You, you realize that, like, that, that that distinction is different than it used to be. Like not caring how it works, but considering it money is very different than like that fake thing you do on the internet that's wasting your time. Yeah. So you're saying it's true. moved in a positive direction in oh. terms of how it's perceived. Oh, I, I would love I would love to be to have a recording of conversations that D has had with his dad when we started this podcast. Guaranteed it's way different than like him just yeah. regularly buying Bitcoin on Coinbase. We had an argument one day about the centralized storage, and I thought this man was going to punch me. And I was, <laughs> I was, I was talking about the centralized storage, and you know what that company storage is trying to do with the centralized storage. And he was like, "That shit ain't ever gonna work." And I was like, "What? I mean, no, it seems pretty feasible to me. Like, I don't know why it would work." And he was like, "And he looked at me and he goes, you don't know what the motherfucking government.'" Wow, 
that that went to a whole place I didn't think it was gonna go to. <laughs> but yeah, he he uh, definitely got pretty angry about the whole decentralized storage thing. So I'd be curious. Why? What did he? But anyways, that's my story. <laughs> and you're sticking to it. <laughs> what do you want to talk about today? Huh? Hey, what do you want to talk about today? Do you're you're breaking up? I y'all think. y'all started talking about crypto. I've got to hop out of the call and I'll join right back. Okay, D's having technical issues, it seems. Um, we're going <laughs> to let him... That, that, you, well, you heard what we heard. We're not taking that out, so there we go. <laughs> there we go. So what do you want to talk about, Corey? Uh, so the segment for today, which we can probably save for later, uh, maybe when D gets back, is I'm going to be hashing mm. it out. It's right. the hashing it out segment of the show, which is where we're going to be talking about the things that I did on hashing it out this week. Um, uh, so I had an hour long episode of hashing it out on Ethereum two, And the I kind of like my experience along with other client implementation experiences of Ethereum two beacon chain since it's been launched. Uh, and it was launched on December 1st. So we can talk about that later and I can answer, try to answer questions that you have about it. But, uh, <laughs> I also want you to be here for, for Daniel. So like a part of what we're going to talk about later when Dia's back is also going to be Daniel um, walking us through the dumb things we ask him to do um, and us laughing at ourselves about it. So, Sounds good. Anything, uh, anything before all of that? Yeah. Uh, how do you keep up with things? I, I don't I like, do you try and keep up with things? Do you have any like, does that because like part of what I do, it's, it's impossible. Like for, I remember when we started this podcast, trying to understand what was going on across the entire mm-hmm. ecosystem wasn't a, a hard thing to do. Like right. our weekly updates, or like our yeah. weekly podcast, pretty much covered it all. And not not now. It's too much <laughs> going on now. It's I. It's not even that we can't fit it into an episode. Is I literally can't keep up with even a remote like a, a minuscule percentage of what's going on in the ecosystem yeah 100 percent uh and you can ask me if i have any tools to like monitor things no i'm just curious like what do people do like it's very easy and this is this is kind of similar to like a problem that i'm seeing on a broader scale of information overload is it's very easy to isolate yourself into what you would like to be focused on or understand or feel Mm-hmm. Uh, based on like the conversations that happen in small communities. So say for instance, like you have a limited amount of time each week to to try and figure out what's going on in this ecosystem, but you're interested. And yeah. so you, 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 so you subscribe to a single podcast because you like the guy and the format of what they do. But mm-hmm. by happenstance, that particular person or girl or whoever the show, uh, has an incredible bias towards something and is like way over optimistic about the potential of that thing. That's going to be gonna your viewpoint. Over potentially. Yeah. That's going to be your viewpoint. 100%. And that's something that you get in like a broader context of information is like, we're incredibly isolated in terms of our views of the world because it's very easy to paint the picture of reality that you want based on the information you look to consume. Even more so, there's, um, there's the aspect of once you... Once you participate, like once you're a token holder in a project, you have 
way more bias in that project yeah, than that, the if you were just watching effect. it. Yeah, hundred percent. So it's like it's compounded. So it's, I mean, there are, there are plenty of psych theories, like you know, basic psych stuff that kind of models this human behavior. So you have the the house money effect, where it's like whatever money you gain, your gains, you can easily psychologically lose all that money and you really it's really hard for you to consolidate gains when you're so above what your initial balance was so then you lose the importance of the significant gains you've made if that makes any sense so that's that there's there's that and there's also uh gambler like there's there's like the uh gambling fallacies in terms of um at some point you're gonna win right it's like if i if i put my money in in enough projects at some point i'm gonna win if i play this game if i pull this lever down enough times at some point i'm gonna win right so there's a whole bunch of you know essentially what what are greed-based and gambling um psychologies that are involved in this space regardless of whether people want to admit them or not like this space draws people who are not necessarily 100 percent tech literate myself included like and people are just throwing money at things for the most part and seeing what sticks without necessarily having the time to be able to follow the minutiae of the projects that they are invested in which is not too dissimilar from the way our stock market goes. It's not like people read balance sheets, you know, at quarterly company meetings all the time. You know, people who whose sole job it is to invest probably do that, but for the for the layperson who is, you know, now the new wave of day traders through Robinhood or whatever, Voyager, whatever all these apps are, right? It's like Acorn whatever. People are just uh, throwing money at shit. On the other side of that, like I, I agree with all of that. It's, there's certainly an aspect of like degenerate gambling uh, and, and, and influences of those fallacies that you like all the fallacies that are related to gambling and how people make decisions like bad decisions based on some some part of that. But there's also like be, like based on that information issue is like there's you you t like I would I would argue people tend to pay attention to the things that they're invested in more than those that aren't that they're not. Um, yeah. So a good way to try and keep track of things is literally just to get some. It's yeah, but let's, what if you have like all top hundred currencies, cryptocurrencies, okay, then plus that's, stocks, then, plus then other you're stuff. not really making like that's more of an index, I'd say, like a play it because but you have to balance the concept of am I able to keep track of this thing? Like, what's the end goal, right? So like when you make an investment, you should have potentially an end goal of what's the what's the success metric of that investment like when i when i purchase this and i expect it to potentially increase yeah if you're making it as it from an investment standpoint then what's my exit at what point am i did i say i did that i i made a good investment and i back out what's the well, it what's depends the, on your time on your time horizon sure but that's that's different like, for everybody but i would argue i'd argue it's that. it's i'd argue it's it's um it's super long-term multi-generational for people who do see the time horizon of crypto being decades instead of, you know, shit's going to crash in like five years. Okay. Well, then, like, I want to keep going on this one. 
in terms of like why this is important. Like, or like, yeah. And so, so if that's true, right. If, if you have some type of exit strategy, you've made an investment and you would like to keep track of maybe potentially when to let go of that investment. You need to understand what's going on with the, with the, with the token. Um, people, I guess, tend to use price right or the price difference as a proxy for success and failure of that company or per token or whatever. But yeah. if you, if you just throw it all out there on a bunch of projects, then I guess price is the only reasonable thing you can track to keep, to keep up with this stuff. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to be like a savvy investor, understand things and make better choices on prognosticating what's going to happen in the future, you need to know what's going on, which requires time and effort to look into those projects. And the more that you diversify your basket, the less attention you can spend on any given thing. Now you can weight things appropriately and you spend your weighted attention on the things you have the most value in. But uh, like that's not, people aren't doing that. No. And and it's just so the smart money is doing that though. It's been doing that for 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 a long time though. I would say I would probably that's what people should be offering if they're offering like custodial investment services for people. Yeah. I agree. I don't know if those exist. There's your there there's somebody, there's a money idea. Go use that. <laughs> if you could do it well. But uh, like it like I said like it, if, if you don't know about a project and you'd like to keep up with it and you want to motivate yourself to keep up with it, buying a little bit of it is a good way to help that motivation because it, it almost like forces your hand on some of those psychological theories of keeping track of it or paying attention to it. And bag, bag holding is a good way to f- trick yourself into keeping up with the project because you're, you're tied to it. You have, you have a stake in it. If you can't do anything in the community, this is an important part of crypto in terms of like raising value is being valuable to the community. Then all you can do is buy it and hold it and watch it. But arguably some people don't want to, and I wouldn't recommend that everybody do that. For instance, if, if you're interested in speculative investment, that's super high risk, right? Crypto could be, you know, for you, but for people who, you know, don't want to pay attention to an investment, i.e. boomers. They just want to not see their money being invested. One, well, at least some boomers, right? So I'm, I'm talking specifically to a certain case that might be related to me, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So dude doesn't want to know where money's going, how it's invested. He just doesn't even care about that, right? Similar to D's dad, right? He just doesn't care. Money's money. Greed's greed. People are going to invest in things. Everything it, is the same. Put it in a place to make number go up. Huh? Put it in a place that makes number go up. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. And they're like, even if I invest in this, like psychology theories won't affect them. They don't even give a fuck. Okay. I would. Yeah. I think that's now there's going to be people in, if we're talking about boomers, the boomer stereotype, yeah. the earlier generations yeah. are, are, in my opinion, very di- like statistically very different in that they have a lot of like emotional care and uh, desire to make change in the like. Uh, maybe it's naive because we're still young, mm-hmm. but the I don't care, put it in a place to make number go up, isn't doesn't seem to be the mentality of younger generations. Yeah, I I think I. Th- I think, um, I mean, people who are 
out on the streets, super left wing for the most part. They're like, they're not old people. The old people have realized that you have to go to work. You got, you got people that you got to support. You know, <laughs> it's like the young kids who are in college that have free time, you know, those are the people out there. Yeah. But at some point things change, I guess. The idea of you got to go to work has also changed over the generations because it's become more clear that you need to make your money work for you. If you want to have a substantial amount of wealth in your life, like the like rat race, if you, if, yeah. you, if you want to call it that, uh, we're we going rich dad, poor dad. Cause we can, yeah, we can make this pivot. It's, 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 the, it's the right, it's the right language to use for this. Like, We've all read. We're gonna do the four blocks. We're gonna do the. uh, You got your primary income. You got your side income. You got your investment graphics. Wow! Did you just read it? No, that was that was years ago, dude. Uh, but yeah, like your money needs to work for you, and 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 funny enough, like the crypto boom and cryptocurrency in general has taught a lot of younger people the concept of thinking about how their money is working for them. They had to allocate it, how to think about it, uh, and and build a couple of the soft skills of evaluating how well their money is working. And I that's be, not something I that I like, learned growing up. Yeah. Or had the opportunity to do uh, until like, like, that wasn't something that I could participate in at a young age. But you were investing before crypto, right? Let me think. No. Interesting. No, I was, I was, I'd say before crypto, I was uninterested in money generally. And I was also pretty financially illiterate. Okay. Um, you know, you know, let me, let me, let me interject with an anecdotal story from a, from a week or two ago. Right. So there's this guy that I met while studying for the MCAT, right? And uh, he's a Turkish dude. Hope, I hope he doesn't mind me just talking to this effect about him. Um, but there's nothing bad. It's just uh, I would say he might be representative of what you're saying is like the newer generation. This is the flip side of the newer generation. The, gen- the, the part that doesn't know about investing. And maybe this is the perception of most people. But his idea was like, once I become a doctor and I earn... $500,000 a year. My first thing that I'm going to do when I invest my money is I'm going to buy land. I'm going to buy real estate. I'm going to buy a farm. And then some of the other people in discord were like pointing out to him, like, you know, the returns on that, like you're localizing your risk to a region when you buy in real estate. Uh, he, I guess people have the concept, at least some people do that investment begins with just stacking houses. And it's like, no, well, it depends on where you learn about investment and who you learn it from. It's, a, it's, a, it's the same situation I was talking about earlier with like, exactly. like, like, like echo chambering yourself in the information you consume about a certain topic. And things are so broad and complex that one, it's impossible to understand all of it. So you, you yeah. like, it, like by, by nature, you have to choose a subset of information to consume and then it becomes very easy to echo chamber yourself around that subset of information and like have confirmation bias on things that you'd like to feel. And, and, and like, it's impossible to consume it all. 
So you're like, it's, yeah. this, this is a problem that everyone's going to have as things continue to get more and more complex and the access to information continues to grow. And it's not just a crypto thing, but like, it's just, a, it's, a, it's a general fact of having too much information and not being able to consume it all. But is it bad? Do we have to consume it? Are we talking about other solutions besides putting a stake or make, having a stake in a project to kind of direct focus your attention more? Like, what are we, what are we talking about this? I don't know. I just think it's situation. I don't, I don't know what the right, the most efficient thing to do is, but someone mm-hmm. has to do something in terms of how they evaluate what to consume. And I think the concept of like bringing that up to people, that it's something they should think about, like you should yeah. be thinking about how you consume information, regardless of whatever you're into. And crypto sure. is a good example of this because- we know we've seen so many fanatics and people trapped into scams because the first person that they got brought into this, that's what they told them. And that's what they were into. And so like, well, I guess I'm into this because this is, this is crypto. This is what was introduced to me as crypto. Yeah. I would say crypto, like it's like pink slips, like, you know, history repeats itself. So his like crypto are, is are like pink slips, you know, in the early days of stock markets. So like, in my opinion, if you bought like the if you bought all the top hundred crypto projects like an index, I I would venture to guess that you would get some returns that are probably similar similar to an early index like you know the Dow Jones, but for crypto. I don't know. Yeah, I could I could see I see the analogy. I'm just not sure because and you could and you could set it and forget it and not have to worry about it because some people don't want to worry about it. Even you know boomers they don't want to worry about it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, not boomers, uh, millennials, right? Or or Zoomers or whatever. Hey, yo, guys, what did I miss? Sorry, audience. I had to drop out for a second. I'm not even going to try and like, like re-explain the conversation me and Jesse just had. <laughs> Sometimes life <laughs> happens like that, but I'm back now. What? what? Uh, let's let's transition into one of our segments. And I think Daniel explaining what the hell. Like, I, I, we, I, I explained a few of the segments we're going to talk about today, D. Uh, but I wanted okay. to put them off until you're back. And I'm glad you're back. Um Dee, why don't you give a preface to this concept of uh, what Daniel has had to go through over the past week or so? All right. So Corey and I think of ideas and we don't think them a thousand percent through sometimes. We'll, we'll lead with that. That's where this story is starting. It's Lots of favorite. ideas. Yeah. So we thought, hey, Dee's always talking about Flaming Hot Cheetos. If we start up a Patreon... Actually, when I say we, Corey, I'm going to go ahead and take you out of that and just make this all my idea. <laughs> I appreciate that. So, so I was willing I, I was willing to carry this load with you, but I'm glad you took it. <laughs> I felt you breathe. I felt you breathe from here. I was like, all right, you know, let me just... I thought, I was like, you know what? We're going to send our patrons Flame Not Cheetos because, you know, they listen to the show. They know what we're about. They know I love Flame Not Cheetos. I don't know who doesn't. I, I don't do know love flaming hot cheetos too. So, like, I, like I, I would argue that like my willingness to go along with this had a lot to do with my love of flaming hot cheetos. So, we'll keep going. They? They're amazing. It's an amazing American story. They are not a sponsor. Cheeto. We just legitimately like them. So, we lost. We're just trying to, yeah, yeah. We had them as a sponsor, but no, I'm kidding. We never had them as a sponsor. But uh, let me say something. So. <laughs> We're trying to send these Cheetos to our patrons. Uh, Daniel, you want to take it from me? You want to take it? You want to take it from here? <laughs> I mean, there's not much to say. 
Just no, the, I want, I want that, you to go walk that, us through the things that we told you and then your experience doing it. Oh, for sure. No, I'm just, I'm just saying the fact that it is what it is. It's just, it's a lot more than we thought it was going to be. Just, just sending <laughs> Cheetos. But basically, basically I got a box, threw one in and I was like, went online and I was like, Hey, what's the going rate? And priority is like 15 bucks. And I was like, man, that's way too much. So today I was like, I'm gonna go to the post office. I'm going to figure out what's the cheapest way. And the guy kind of looked at me and said, uh, I mean, the only other option is to crush the bag and put it in an envelope. So, Oh, my God. I just realized which, what we could have done, Daniel. We could have we Uber Eats or whatever, like uh, use the Amazon delivery services or like local delivery services to deliver Cheetos for us. It's not too and late. And it would only be like a 3 or $5 delivery fee. It's not too late. Anyway, I want I to right? keep, keep pulling this thread. So Daniel... Who has, who has joined us on the on the TPP crew to help some of the back-end stuff that we do, including like handle the Patreon because me and D suck at it really terribly. Um, we told him that, hey, we had this smart idea of like, we're going to send a bag of Cheetos to all the patrons. And this may be even like a, a recurring thing. Uh, how much does a bag of Cheetos cost, Daniel? Even though like, what do you have, the party size? Oh, yeah, it was like three bucks. So three bucks for a bag of Cheetos. Um only to like find out that shipping a bag of Cheetos is going to be like fifteen bucks because we don't want to ship you a well. I I kind of want to ship you a flattened bag of Cheetos. I think it's funny. <laughs> um, Cheeto dust. Cheeto dust because it's hilarious and you can you can maybe like you could use it to as a, like a crusting for some fried chicken. Done that before. Spice. Delicious. You could use it as a spice. Done that before. Delicious. Anyway. You use flaming hot Cheeto dust as a spice? Yeah, I've done that in the past. <laughs> I went to college, that dude. Some, that is some commendable <laughs> shit. I am that is commendable. I am creative in my in my college cuisine efforts. But uh, uh, yeah, so like patrons, you're gonna get a bag of Cheetos, and it's gonna cost a lot. Uh, we think that's funny. Um, we're not doing it. Well, we <laughs> we keep our promises. That it just takes two years. It takes two years. <laughs> Look, uh, and it takes us hiring somebody, and it and it's incredibly economically infeasible. But we're gonna do it because we think it's funny, and we're men and women of our word. Look, if there's any <laughs> if there's anything I used to tell my uh, senior English teacher while I was completely high as fuck from smoking at lunch, as I turned <laughs> in a paper that was at least four weeks late, I would look at this woman. I apologize, Miss Rowell, and I would say, better late than never. And then I would walk out of her class high as fuck, and I would go to my next class. <laughs> so all you patrons out there, you're getting your Cheetos. If you didn't get in, you're not getting Cheetos. That's what this boils down to. We're going to be changing that tier. This is the oh. equivalent of D's high as fuck, better late than never as an adult. Yeah, better late than never, baby. But uh, $50 tier. Yeah, it's the fifty dollars tier to cover the Cheeto cost. What the fuck? But anyway, like Daniel sends a screenshot of the receipt. It's like a hundred and three dollars. And like honestly, Daniel, I didn't respond because I was not. I didn't believe it. I didn't believe you. I didn't believe the receipt. I was like, no, we're talking about Cheetos, so that's a dumb number. I'm not. I'm gonna wait. <laughs> and so, so then you're like, no, man, it really costs a hundred and three dollars. 
to ship these Cheetos. So I was like, oh, okay, so we're not doing that anymore, ever. So that's <laughs> so, so we're gonna we're gonna figure something out, man. If we would like yeah, to we'll give you Cheetos on a regular basis, we'll figure a better way to do it, and it might involve you buying Cheetos yourself. Yeah, there's a there's a strong possibility you can get your own damn Cheetos. <laughs> we'll pay for it. You do the legwork. But anyways, uh, I wanted to talk about something before we go into this week's segment. Before, I want to before talk you about, do that. Before you do that. If you what? get your Cheetos, if you are a patron and you get Cheetos, I damn well you expect to post it somewhere so that we can show people that we did this. Did you just did you say damn well you expect? Yes. I think I know what you're trying to say. <laughs> nope, I said it that way, and that was the right way to say it because that's how I said it. <laughs> <laughs> damn well you expect. Yeah. Put it on Twitter, take a picture, say, hey, I got my Cheetos. I can't believe I finally got my Cheetos. And they're not two-year-old Cheetos either. They're fresh. They're brand new Cheetos. But it doesn't matter though, because brand Cheetos new. are Cheetos and they'll last their yeah. shelf life is forever. The shelf story. life is forever. Yeah. There's a funny story. There are two-year-old Cheetos in my father's shed in Texas. So, you know, if you want those, you're gonna have to join the fifty dollar tier. <laughs> so uh, um now, that being said, I wanted to say something this week that happened to me that's never happened to me before. And while I feel like I'm starting to ethereally become more comfortable with Bitcoin being money for me, is I had this contest for my employees. And the winner of this contest is going to receive $100 of my Bitcoin. Wait, why so, Bitcoin? Buy a new Bitcoin. Because, I don't know, Corey, I'm a nice guy. Capital so gains, man. They're going to... Huh? <laughs> it's capital gains, man. Don't use your Bitcoin. Buy new Bitcoin. Well, they're going to... Okay, so they're going to receive $100 of fresh bought Bitcoin. So there's no capital gains tax on me. All right? And that's right. Let's take, let's take a moment to tell the audience, pay your fucking taxes. Don't be a fucking jabroni. All right? But anyways, so here we go. I'm like, hey, you guys do the things. And the best person that's doing the things gets $100 in Bitcoin. And uh, you can just keep that, you know, it's, it'll be yours. And then one of my associates, she goes, well, why don't you just pay me in real money? And like, <laughs> I couldn't control my inner urges, but I like, You're I, Adam? I wanted to drop kick this woman in the chest. Like I, I was like, I was so frustrated. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't even speak anymore. Like I paused and I was talking to everyone. And I was like, what do you mean real money? And like, it just got way too abrasive. How about this? What, why would you, I think your response to that immediately should have been, what if I gave you a hundred dollars in gold? How would you feel about that? I couldn't think, Corey. My body was, it was just acting. I feel My like it's a, just, but for the next time that someone says that to you, I think it's a reasonable response. And yeah. don't get me wrong. If someone handed me a hundred dollars in gold, they'd be like, what the fuck would I do with this? I mean, I guess I got some gold now. Who, if I didn't care, right? If I wasn't involved with this, with this ecosystem, for me, cool. You gave me something valuable, but now I have to figure out how to use it. Yeah, yeah. Well, how dare her? You but know, isn't this her, good? Right? This is this goes back to the discussion we we're having about the psychology of when you own something, you pay more attention to it. But that's that's I've 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 taught people. I've forced people to learn how to use Bitcoin by giving it to them as gifts. Like throughout, mm -hmm. like the entire time I've been in this ecosystem, mm -hmm. it's like, all right, here's here's a hundred bucks. 
it may be worth later, more later, maybe worth less later. For all the times yeah. I've done this, it's worth a lot more than when I gave it to him. Uh, but if you want to use it, you're going to figure it out. Come to me if you have questions. Yeah. What's, uh, I, I am experiencing... Go ahead, go ahead, Jesse. No, that wasn't me. That was Corey. Oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, I'm no. going to interrupt you, Corey. Go ahead. Um, you didn't interrupt me. I told, uh, you. I told you you can go. I had this interesting <laughs> relationship over the past... I don't know. Since I've been in Bitcoin, I gave $100 of Bitcoin to someone a long time ago, like in 2014. Mm-hmm. She's a, she's the wife of one of my best friends from high school. And every time there's these huge price spikes, she shows me a screenshot of her Coinbase account. And she's like, oh, my God, this is crazy, D. I can't believe this. Like, oh, I want to learn so much more. And I'm like, OK, cool. You might, I can give you a call tomorrow. She's like, oh, you know, no, I'm good. <laughs> nah. I'm good. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to learn, actually. Yeah. I don't want to know any of it. I got my son's got football practice, you know, yeah. Vernon, you know, he works out. And I'm like, oh, okay. So you don't really give a fuck at all, yeah. really. So that's, that's the funny relationship I have with that specific person over the last, what is it, six I'm years? curious how many of our listeners so, have a very similar experience. Because like a good portion of people who are listening to us, like already know Bitcoin. It's like they're listening to us because they're they like us and they're entertained, not because they're trying to learn about Bitcoin. Uh, mm-hmm. I would imagine they have a very similar experience. I have one. Yeah. I'm it's, not gonna say it. I just have one. You know, well, people don't want to learn. There's people yeah, that do want to learn, and there's people that don't, and that's that's just that. So, so okay. Anyway, let me put this to you then, because me and me and Jesse were talking about while you were gone. Like, do you feel it's a good strategy to give people something in order for them to learn about it. Like the process of me giving people Bitcoin as gifts on Christmas. Like I've given, oh. I've given everyone in my family Bitcoin or Ethereum as a gift for Christmas in effort in, in, in hopes that they figure out how to use it. I can probably guarantee that 95% of that has, will never see the light of day. It's just going to, it's, it's nah. dead. It's dead crypto at this point. Look, people only learn if they have to, or they need to. Sorry, that's the same thing. If they have to or they want to. <laughs> I am drinking on Jesse's behalf. Excuse yeah, but like excuse money me. is a motivator. Like if, if something has value and then they, they're like, oh shit, Corey gave me Bitcoin a while ago. I just said, oh my God, it's worth $1,500 yeah. today. I should figure out how to use this. Like that's that's, you know, that's be, the mentality yeah. in my head of what happens. And, it, and, that, and that has happened in the that's past. It. Yeah, so for the people who don't care, like D, like that lady, that number in her Coinbase that she's sending you is not substantial enough that it warrants her attention versus what they normally do for a living, if that makes any sense. If that number exceeded that, there would be a different change in her attitude. It's taken it six years for that number to get where it is, so she's already already calculated that in her life is like, oh, that's like three, four weeks of work. That's not anything. Yeah. You know, so, it's not replicable, right? Not anymore. Should have been listening yeah. this whole fucking time. Should be doing great. But anyway, <laughs> well, here's another question that I have based on the same topic. We have, and yeah, we got plenty of time. Cool. Uh, as a part of gift giving that I've, that I've done in the past and, and tis the for, season and for say, tis the season. And for some people, uh, that I've made judgment calls on. I have given them crypto, but I've 
kept a copy of the seed phrase or, or private key. Why would you do that? Because I know they're going to fuck it up. So you're being customer support for them in the future. Yeah. I know that's, they're that's going to lose the password. I know they're going to lose the seed phrase. I, or at least I, I don't know it. I, there's a very high probability that it happens because I know the way these, yep. some of these people, this is not everyone, some of these people handle yeah, tech, 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 yeah. like technical issues or don't do that. Uh, have the ability to deal with things. And so in the event that they tell me like, oh, I would like to have cashed that out, but I lost that seed phrase um, years ago. I can't do it. See, that's, that's where I would disagree with you. And then I would say, oh, approach. I guess it's gone. And I would take it back to myself. That's where I would disagree with you in approach because in this next decade, one, that'll be illegal. Two, I think that you should not do that because you're not making that, that emotional core memory. Everybody's seen the Disney movie about emotions that have emotions. What is it called? In and out. About. Inside yeah. out. Inside out. It's the yep. movie, the Pixar movie, That's where the emotions movie. have emotions. That's a great movie. It's a great movie, is it not? It taught me a lot about myself. I think I cried. <laughs> But anyways, you got to create that core memory. So when I onboard people, I tell them, look, if you lose this, you are fucked. I tell them that. But they're not. I tell them. But they're not. I tell them those words. For all intents and purposes, they believe that if they lose that thing, they're fucked. I just make sure that if they do, the money isn't gone. That's how a bank works, Corey. You're like a bank. Sure. Yeah. Be your own bank. Isn't that what we tell each other? No, no. You're these people's bank. You're like... They are not their own bank, even though they're supposed to be. I that's that's argue, like case in point. I, yeah, I would argue that if they you showed the ability to do it, and if they showed any of the tension that we've said most people don't give, right. then I, 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 would, I would remove my ability to do those things, and I would then teach them other stuff. If they don't do anything at all, and they lose stuff, then they're written off in terms of me doing it ever again, and I didn't lose any money. This is yeah, a personal, no, this still- is a personal choice. And if, and I feel as though for, for, and I'm not saying I do this across the board, like the, like the software that I create at status has no possible way of doing these types of things because it's, it's like ideologically built into the system. Like we, we will never build things that allow us to manipulate anyone's data ever. But for my my personal family and friends who I know are going to fuck things up, if I'm walking someone through the concept of this and they have a hard time like logging into a web page. Yeah. And, the, and if I compare that to the difficulties associated with handling your own private keys and crypto and accessing wallets and so on and so forth, they're going to fuck it up. I think that you're removing the opportunity to tap into those people that have to learn, that must learn, need to learn because it's not until you lose 35 Litecoin because you didn't back up your fucking wallet appropriately and you accidentally delete it that you learn that shit. Well, you can enjoy throwing away money uh, as, a, as a lesson to to your friends and family, but I'm not going to do oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's the difference, yeah, Corey, between like, because you're only going to give them like, say, a few hundred dollars at most, if, if that much, right? So like, that means arguably... Not much to somebody sure. who, but so if like that what I'm getting at is like you're not into three thousand dollars, and and maybe they they still they at that point in their life they they now they're making more money to justify them still not caring. 
I I, I'm just, want... I'm just like getting at the fact that like you can't do what D's doing because it it's irresponsible. You're, you're giving people oh, who are wait, tech nay, illiterate. Nay, nay. It's irresponsible. That's what I I'm say, saying. Sir. It's irresponsible if you have the technical prowess that I do to not do this. Exactly. Um, and, and if they're friends and family, if these people you care about, then giving them an out to, to, to make, to make an error and learn from it and then get better while not having consequences, that's what you do with your children. Right? But that, that, that's, that's where I say you're, you're, you're by giving them an out, you kind of like, don't give them the way to experience. Like I'm telling, I'm t what I'm telling you guys is like, man, if there was a way that you could give people a million dollars in Bitcoin and be like, yo, look, like, you can actually have a million dollars in Bitcoin, but you got to understand how this shit works. I fucking get it. I got it. You can't, you can't give people any any amount of Bitcoin that's substantial of substantial value that their normal job, even if they're working and they earn twenty thousand a year, that they couldn't earn themselves. You know what I mean? I, I, I fucking I, did I, it. I, I got I've done it. This before. Go I ahead. found the middle ground. I found the middle ground. This is what, what is the middle story. ground? It's somewhere between where Corey is and where I is. Where I is. is. Fuck, dude! This where you be? I'm I'm drinking for you, Jesse. I'm doing <laughs> okay. this for you because it's your birthday. All okay. Right, so your liver thanks you. Yeah, don't judge me, bro. How dare you judge me for celebrating <laughs> you? You're judging me for celebrating you. That's offensive. Anyway, I am the person that's like, yeah. Here's the deal. Uh, we spent like five minutes talking about the deep end of the pool. All right, I'm about to throw you in that shit. All right, get ready. All right, and don't drown because if you drown, it's your fault. Corey is like, hey, we've gone through the kiddie pool. Here's the five foot deep pool, and there's the deep end over there. The deep end is where you have the most fun. All right, and he's tying this invisible string to them, and they're going off into the deep end and they're drowning, but then he's rescuing them. All right. Yeah. I feel as if they're never going to learn their lesson to appropriately swim in the deep end of the pool so long as they trust that they have an invisible string connected to Corey. So I feel like the middle ground is here. I feel like they have to learn a lesson. So the middle ground is you, you freeze or you do not give them access back to their shit without significant hurdles that either have, that have some sort of emotional connection. It either pisses them off it makes them sad and feel bad about themselves or something. There's got to be uh, I fucked up. I know I fucked up. I need to learn something. And this is the lesson I need to learn. Oh, that's what which happens. Is, I recover the money is, and I don't give it back to them until they can prove they can handle crypto. So good. And I also believe, and we are in no way sponsored by Coinbase, but Coinbase does this too. Because I recently onboarded, I onboarded someone years ago and they couldn't get into their account this year. And Coinbase put them through hell. And I was like, yeah, Coinbase is putting you through hell because they're trying to get you to learn a lesson that you should, you know, take some responsibility over important things, even if they are digital. So I feel like that's the middle ground. It's a reasonable middle ground. I think so. But like, you need to people like, for, for first off, we're running out of time. So the, the hashing out segment is basically I had a hashing out episode about F 2.0. Go listen to it. It's also going to be video content. So if you were to watch me have it, it's really great. So go do that. I want to keep going on. This wait, trip. wait, no, I want to talk about E 2.0. Oh, 
We got plenty of time, bro. What do you got to uh, do? I'm being, do? I'm being asked to wrap it up from Aaron because we need to cook dinner. Because oh. your ass is late. Oh, what? Fuck. What? <laughs> going to dinner where, bro? It's the middle not, of a pandemic. You're not going anywhere. We have to cook dinner. We have a family. You, I got to cook dinner sweet, with my family. Because that's important to me. Mother, you sweet motherfuckers, you. You sweet ass motherfucking fam. Dude, all right. I can dig it. I can dig it. I still want to talk about E2.0, though. All right. Oh, that, well, then we can we can pull on the uh, how to handle managing gifting crypto with people and how many hoops this should go through later. Maybe next episode. Okay. I think we're out of time because Corey's got to go put in work. So that's too. So, Let's talk about it. Hashing out, oh, hashing wait, out segment. We can do that. We're just going to transition and not pull continue pulling thread. All right. Cool. Uh, so this is our segment. It's called hashing it out. If you're familiar with the network. You know what hashing it out is. It's Corey's show where he hashes it out about topics that are very, very complex. And Corey's niche talent is taking something very complex and simplifying it. You know? Would you say that, so. Corey? I hope so. Yeah. I like doing that. I feel as Me though too. I do a pretty good job of it, but we'll see. That's right. He'll take the sucrose and he'll look at it and he'll say, oh, it's not that complex. It's uh, these fucking elements and these amounts. It's glucose and fructose and an alpha one, four, See? one six. No, one four, one four configuration. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Bam. You see how we just did that for you guys? Feel great about it. Feel great about it. All right. So that's what Corey does with hashing it out. But I'm done now. Corey, what did you hash out? Uh, yeah, I feel like a, a few things. Like I said earlier, it was... This episode is going to be the first video content of Hashing It Out that I'll be releasing alongside of the audio version. Um, Hashing It Out is also becoming its own show, separate feed. So uh, look to be a, like, to subscribe to it in all the normal spots by itself. So like you'll search for Hashing It Out. It's not going to be part of the Bitcoin podcast feed. Um, and it's at all after episode 100. Um, yeah, but this episode, users. Yeah, this episode was um, a follow-up from an uh, Ethereum 2.0 beacon chain panel that I did uh, regarding kind of what to expect about the upcoming launch of the Ethereum 2.0 beacon chain, um, information on like validators and how to be a validator and what to think about in terms of being a validator. And uh, kind of going over some of the rough terminology of like why it's important, what phase it is, like a general information, right? So it was, this was a follow-up. It's the beacon chain at mainnet of Ethereum 2.0, like, which was like phase zero of Ethereum 2.0 launched on December 1st. That means that the beacon chain, the thing that provides randomness and, and tells uh, what validators to look at what and pays incentives for the work that they do, uh, and, and there's the proof of stake part, the foundational part of Ethereum 2.0, launched its mainnet December 1st. And since then, there's been a lot of validators uh, that are participating in this. So over, I think over a billion dollars of Ethereum at today's prices is currently locked up for between one to two years on Beacon Chain. That amount of Ether, which is the same asset as ETH1, is now locked up and can't be moved. Uh, and it's participating in the validation process of uh, Ethereum 2. 
So that episode was an effort to describe um, our experience as validators. Um, what has happened so far, what we can look forward to in the future, and um, what it takes to be a validator. Lessons learned in the process of being a validator. So I run four validators myself. Uh, and I, I gain ether through the process of validating a beacon chain that does nothing right now. And and I wanted to talk to people about like the software development problems we've had, um, the coordination issue, kind of like how proud I am of the ecosystem for getting it done and uh, what someone should be looking to be thinking, like what someone should think about if they're considering being a validator. So that was the episode. Uh, I recommend going, going and listening to it. But based on that, like what kind of, Questions you got? Would you give somebody an ETH node or a validator node? Fuck no. Who's what is that noise? Like, it's his dog looking. You're muted. Uh, my dog. Uh, oh yeah. Oops. My dog is uh, antsy. I can take it out. Uh, he uh, yeah, I got him this elf or elf on a shelf, and he shredded that shit. <laughs> Why do you have an elf on a shelf when you had no kids? Uh, dude, you know, I like every millennial, I treat my dog like my child because, you know, my life wasn't like my father's and affording simple things is four times as hard as it used to be. But, you know, everything is fine. The country's fine. So, uh, <laughs> that's like a weird turn. Uh, let's, let's, so anyways, my question is this, do I need an ETH 2.0 token or is my regular ETH good enough for ETH 2.0? It's the same asset. And that's something we talked about last episode, remember? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Ethereum 1 and Ethereum 2, as it stands today, is the exact same asset. It's, it's, there's, there's no oh. difference. It's a migration uh, from one network to another. It's like upgrading the network over a long period of time. It is the same asset, and everyone should view it that, that way. That's so sexy because I think Bitcoin maximalists are like, oh, you can't do that. You've got to not do that. You've got to fork it, and you've got to make everybody mad at the same time. Like, and I feel like ETH is like, no, you don't. There's a different way. There's a different way. And ETH is doing that different way. We're trying to. If the Ethereum ecosystem is certainly trying to. And I say we because um, we at Status, the company I work for, uh, built one of the clients that run the Beacon Chain. We built Nimbus, which is one of the Ethereum 2 clients. And so we're heavily invested and involved with the process of running the Beacon Chain. And I'm because of that, I'm pretty adept at what's going on and uh, involved in it. And I run and I run validators. So like I'm one of the few, um, there's quite a few of people. Actually, let's see, how many validators are there? I'm on the website right now because I have to watch my stuff. There are currently um, 30,299 active validators and a queue of pending validators of 12,862. So as of right now, there is Almost, there's almost a million F staked on Beacon Chain. For those of you a familiar with the the term F, it's Ether, E-T-H. There's newbies in the crowd, Corey. You can't be so cool. Sure, whatever. If you don't, if you're listening to us, you know what F is. You got to always say that, man. There's new people everywhere, bro. You got to embrace new people. How can you ever grow? How can you grow as a community? I hope people ask those questions because they don't ask them in the Slack. Like I think I, I'll, the, I'll the, teach anyone yeah. anything if they ask it. The Slack is for power users. 
So if you consider yourself a power user, you should join the Slack at thebitcoinpodcast.com. Come and join the Slack. You hit us up. That was what an, ad. What that was an advertisement. Go ahead, Jesse. I got many. You go first. Oh, no. I was just going to backtrack and be like, it wasn't Alpha 1.4. It was Alpha 1.2. <laughs> yeah. Very, very concerned nice. with his definition you, of, uh, was it fructose? Hey, yeah. That, no, sucrose. Okay. Thank you, sir. All right, what about a lightning round of questions? Sure, whatever. All right, porn. What's that like on E2.0? <laughs> Doesn't exist right now. Can't do it. Can't All can't right. do it on E2. Later. Okay. All right. What about uh, decentralized identity? People threw that around. They threw that around in 2017. It was. What's interesting about identity for this because it's proof of stake is that we get all the validators are known. So any proof of stake system. Um, and or traditional cons- traditional consensus mechanism at all. Uh, so we've moved from uh, tr- the migration is going from uh, Nakamoto consensus, which is colloquially known as proof of work, uh, okay. to, to proof of stake, which is uh, most of the time, uh, excluding Avalanche today, is, is a traditional Byzantine fault tolerant consensus mechanisms with a staking mechanism. So uh, in proof of stake, you need to know all of the validators in the network. So those are identities and they have reputation kind of. Uh, where at proof of work, you don't need to be registered in the network to participate at all. Okay. Which is uh, has, has its consequences. But decentralized identity, nothing that uh, normally would be talked about for decentralized identity is relevant to Ethereum 2. Are there future plans to lower the barrier of entry in the amount of ETH needed, or is that hard-coded and mathematically proven to be a magical 32? And if so, why not uh, the answer to all the universe's problems, 42? You know, I wish it was 42. That would have been a really good number. It uh, should have been 42, to, it, y'all. It, it used to be up. a lot more when they were first doing it. Um, but I don't, I, I'm not sure exactly why they chose 32. But that's not going to change, as far as I know. There's no plans for sure, as in, in, in the current roadmap and spec of of ever changing the amount required to do uh, uh, to be a validator. Now it's always going to be 32. Like it's not having more funds in your validator doesn't give you anything. Uh, there's, no, there's no weight. So like one like a 32 equals one validator. If you have more in your stake, according to that validator, you're still one validator with the same amount of weight. And so what people do who have more ETH who'd like to, like to stake it is they have multiple validators. Like I said, I have four. I think it's going to change. I know it's going to change. 32. I think it's going to change. You know why I think it's going to change? Because 32 is a shitty number, like from a number theory perspective. Why is 20, really what, is, what is 21 million? Well, 21 is a good number from a number theory perspective. It's two why? primes multiplied by each other. Two prime numbers. There's not a lot of combinations you can get out of those two prime numbers. It's arbitrary. That scale. Arbitrary doesn't matter. It's not arbitrary. This is number theory, homie. Hey, what about governance? What about oh. uh, whoever whoever's a validator node on ETH? Like, how much sway do they have in terms of um, what gets voted in in terms of upgrades to ETH two? There's no gut. So there's a difference between on-chain governments and and, and off-chain governance. And mm-hmm. Ethereum yeah. employs the off-chain governance. There is no on-chain oh, okay. mechanism okay. for doing things. So the weight of a validator is the weight of yeah. one validator, and that's it. And it only has to do with the um, attesting people 
like it's either producing blocks that people attest to to make sure that like yeah. these are the transactions that you. happen or I got attesting you. to other people's produced blocks. That's all they do. So it's like the ETH foundation that runs everything essentially. No, actually. Like people people can submit. Of, uh, no, it's actually pretty well, in my opinion, it's uh, the Ethereum foundation does not assert its dominance in the way the protocol moves. The community actually does. More often than not, um, the Ethereum Foundation employs a bunch of researchers that come up with that ideas on how to mm-hmm. do stuff. Um, yeah. And then the developer community and and, and, and stakeholders who are inter- interested, so like the people who have a lot of money who want to know how this stuff works, will weigh in on those decisions. And then, yeah. and then different private client companies end up implementing those things. And mm-hmm. so when you, like for instance, ETH2, the Ethereum Foundation does not have a client that runs ETH2. Like six different companies do. Oh, okay. And it's status being one of them, right? So we we took, we all worked together to build the spec proposal and, and, and understand what we need to agree upon. We went and yeah. did it, and then we tested the living shit out of it. The Ethereum Foundation is there to kind of, as, as, a, as a research and coordination mechanism uh, to make sure that like, this is like, it's being done like the court, like the amount of communication that needs to happen is being done so that whatever ends up being produced works. So I guess what I'm getting at is like, so ultimately it's status as a company and then a few other companies that basically decide the framework for how ETH2 is going to work. Yeah, we're involved, like, it's all involved in a community conversation in terms of like, this is how it works. This is why it's, this is why it should work. We don't like that because of this. And then there's certain votes that happen on like, uh, in terms of like, we feel this is the right way to do it. They have EI, the EIP process is heavily involved with like the actual like protocol of how these things happen. And that's a whole community long arduous process of debate and hardening of what should happen in terms of the underlying protocol. And once that's gone through the process, the ringer, just like the BIP process for Bitcoin, and it comes to a finalization that gets built into a specification that then client teams go and actually build but the ethereum foundation doesn't build it's like the ethereum foundation cannot be seen as like a block stream right the company that builds the software and that's even still kind of a a poor analogy because there's a lot of community contributors to bitcoin outside of block stream but yeah so uh, let me ask you this do you believe like ideologically do you believe in uh, that you know your lay person investors who you know don't actually participate in community consensus and contributing or you know hardening eip proposals do you think or well that's kind of redundant but um do you think they should have a say in the future incentivization structures or whatever it, it basically future developments ideas where they they have no idea how to write a line of code they have no idea how to do any of that all they do is they have tens of millions of dollars and they want to put it down or if they like have a hundred dollars to put down they need to make they they'll need to be able to um, justify their desires with the with the entire community, whether or not they can write code or not. They need to under they need to um, exemplify why their ideas are better or are best for the protocol and everyone else, and not just themselves, in order for things to go through. They have their say. Like yeah, they're, if they're able to do that using the using the avenues in which the community co- like has conversations then they can do that. But there's no way for them to assert their influence on protocol with just money and no way to like justify what they want. 
but you know, like, I guess there's a, it's almost like the, the way we were born into our country, right? We, we didn't get to decide how the government works. We didn't get to decide the framework, the rules, nor did we probably have, like, let's say we, we took a time machine back, nor would we have the capacity in terms of having the, the law background in order to even productively participate. How is decentralized currency if it's if it's proposing to democratize uh, democratize you know value whatever like some so at some at some level what i'm getting at is like how is it going beyond the echo chamber that is like super knowledgeable developers that are just essentially trying to decide what's best for humanity going forward for the humanity that ends up using uh, ETH. i've answered this before d uh core you hate when i answer this <laughs> I like this, uh, but Jesse, it's going to move beyond that community uh, because somebody's going to make it cool. That's it. I that's, that's just what it boils. That's just what it boils down to. Somebody's going to make it really cool to use. The mass adoption is, I think, contingent upon making it cool to use. But that's not that's not an Ethereum problem. That's something that's no, no, no I'm not talking about adoption. Well, I'd be like. You're right. Like, how do, how do you how do you avoid the circumstance where the developers are not seeing the whole picture in terms of the yeah. of of inclusion and meeting the needs of people that aren't in the conversation? And then, yeah, like, like how do people who 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 are outside of that group, how do they get their voices heard? Yeah. Well, for instance, like it's like it's like a bunch of like white collar people deciding what's best for like people living in third world countries, thinking that we're, we're going to bank the unbanked. Like that's like the the spiel of like most crypto projects that are like financially motivated to help, you know, lower you know transactions fees for remittances or whatever. It's like the same bullshit over and over again. You can't tell me that you living in a first world country are going to be able to decide governance structures that are most adept for or most apt for solving problems for some dude in thailand that lives in rural thailand or some shit you know it's like it doesn't yeah. make sense you're right and you know how it you do that make sense. you go to those places and you build stuff for them specifically for them based on their needs and you see if it works and if it doesn't you fix it based on their needs and their feedback like we have said mm -hmm. we've done this we've we, we've gone to venezuela we've talked to people tried to learn how they live and we've tried to we continue to try and make solutions to help them build local economies for themselves. That's what's neat about Ethereum is that it's a, it's a generalized technology that doesn't pigeonhole you into a certain way of doing things. And that's that's the goal is to make it usable in, in, in a myriad of contexts. Smart contracts are generalized for a reason. You can build applications on top of them that encode a specific type of economics and community and, tra and value transfer that's useful for the needs of that, that, that for whatever community wants to use them. And then the people who are building these things go to those places and learn what those people need as opposed to assuming that they understand those concepts and codifying them. And so like... But like, do you understand that like there's an inherent value loss because of their ignorance in terms of like, let's say like, because I understand that ETH is this generalizable tech that, you know, it's essentially you can build whatever you want on it as your own like as 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 your own token and then you can like off anyway what i'm getting at is like at the end of the day eth is going to be the on-ramp to the whole network and whoever holds eth now 
your whoever eat, hold, whoever holds whatever sub currency that that you know local economy might use or whatever you know application that might be useful for them beyond currency like eth is going to be the backbone of ethereum whoever holds eth now you're going to have a shit ton of value for the later and investment advice that's going to leave less <laughs> for them Maybe like their no, shit no, no. will be worth that's, less that's, because your shit will be worth no, more. No, that's not true. Like that that's assuming okay, that's me. a that's a that's assuming a yeah. uh hey, what's the what's the, what's the phrase I'm looking for for the win-lose scenario, right? It's 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 like it's assuming that if I gain my value, you lose your value. There is lost. There is lost gas fees, and that will go to who? The people running the validator nodes. Well, that's, that's, I, I think that those types of things can potentially change based on how F2 works or other networks that are built on top of it. Or but guess who's going to be it. deciding that? The people yeah, like, but who are white-collar developers. Jesse, I think you're underestimating that power of that, that lower layer, though. And I think you're underestimating the power of the... the I think that's just it. I think you're underestimating the power of the lower layer. If they start losing too much... Yeah. They're gonna fight back monetarily. They're gonna say like, "Whoa, wait a second! Like, you guys are stealing all of our profit. You're stealing all of our give it back. We're gonna yeah. not." I'd also sell argue that We're like, if not... that's the case, and those people are losing, um, there's enough going on in the entire ecosystem, yeah, where those demands can be met, so they can they can do those things, and there's enough people who care about it to 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 build that for mm. them. They got, and in my opinion, like. Mm. There's enough space to really, really, really help people the way they need to be helped, like the like underprivileged people of the world, third world countries, to tyrannical governments, whatever, and still profit from it without your profit having a negative impact on them whatsoever. I, I truly believe that. There's enough, there's enough value in the world for those things to happen simultaneously. I think you're wrong. Okay. Why? Because look at people who own land. Look at the southern landowners, right? Have been holding land since America was formed, 1776, right? There are people who own a shit ton of dollars in land that they they all they all they had advantage wise, like they're not any smarter, they're not any more capable. Have there been people who try to like leverage the current financial or socio-political system to Com uh, compensate people who have been disadvantaged for example black people in america like over over the i i guess do, do you understand what i'm saying like you're you're creating power dynamics that you think will overturn power dynamics and it's like it's like a dad trying to be a better dad because his dad wasn't a great dad and so he's going to be a the better father to his son that his father never was to him it's like it's like you're perpetuating the same Power dying. In my opinion, I think you're you're gonna find that tech is not gonna evolve beyond humanity's limitations of the way we design power dynamics. I think you're wrong. Um, yeah, I would like to save you that conversation for a so later nice. for a, for a later for a later episode because we're running out of time. Sounds good. You guys, you guys argue so nice. I think you're wrong. Here's my <laughs> here's my reason why. This is how conversation looks like. The this is not Facebook. You guys. You guys should like see like a, a family barbecue of mine. <laughs> I've like, seen one. Fuck that. <laughs> fuck that. One. Fuck you. Uh, is uh, well, we gotta wrap this up, guys. Just when the conversation was getting juicy, uh, you know, 
So go to the bitcoinpodcast.com and uh, peruse that shit. All right, what you're going to see is lots of podcasts we've done in the past. You're going to see, you know, Corey's show hashing it out. You'll see what the headers. You'll see all the shows that we've produced and done in the past. That's there. Uh, I believe there's over 700 episodes worth of things now. Uh, we've been doing this crypto shit a while. So if you're new to this, dive into the deep. It's the deep end. Everything we do is the deep end of the pool. The only thing that we don't is called on ramping with the. If you're brand spanking new and you want you want just a, just an appetizer, go to On Rampin' With D. It's on the podcast section. Start from episode zero. Go to town. All right. Uh, also, please, you know, you should support our, like, our want to be better at this. And it's a consistent, it's one of those great, it's like an ember burn, like, we want to be better podcasters, so we have a Patreon. If you search for the Bitcoin Podcast Network on Patreon, you'll find us. We have tiers. Uh, we used to give out Cheetos. Uh, we don't do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> you should peruse the tiers. Try to help us be better. Uh, we're obviously trying to grow and make a better show, you know. Yeah. So you can do that. Um. Also, please join the Slack. In the near future, I'm about to make Daniel cringe. Look, at, I can feel him like cringing right now. In the near future, there will be unique benefits for being a member of the Slack and also a patron. So you might want to be a part of those unique benefits. So you might want to join the Slack. For right now, you can join the Slack and contribute to amazing crypto conversation on a weekly basis from DeFi to Litecoin to fucking ether to what was it today there's some random ass person who dropped in who hadn't said shit in years and was like oh you should check out uh this random ass token.org what was that you guys saw you guys saw that today, yeah. right jordan yeah he's been yeah hey jordan thanks for incognito.org is what he tried to proselytize to the slack today and d was like get the fuck out of here <laughs> fuck out of here I, I i'm not a fan of shilling uh, we actually used to have a channel that said four shilling or something like that. You could go in there and speak to this, speak the dust, because no one was going to listen to you in there. So we, you know, we're we're we have we're anti shill community, um, except for Avalanche, for obvious <laughs> reasons. Uh, I, I shill status too, pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Avalanche. You heard the ad. We love Avalanche. If you want to know why we love Avalanche. Uh, join the Slack, and we'll tell you. It, Avalanche is fucking dope. And you're more than welcome to come in and tell me why status sucks. I don't, it doesn't bother me, really. So if you don't like my shilling, you don't have yeah. to listen to it. Uh, well, what else do we do? We do, we do some that's, things. That's enough. I got to go cook dinner. Bro, before you go, can you sing the theme song to Family Matters for me? Oh, do it. man. I gotta like think. I gotta, like, I gotta think back. I got like. It's I got, like, a rare I got, condition this day and age to read any good news on a newspaper, newspaper page. page. Do you remember that shit? <laughs> yeah. Love and tradition. Watch that. The grandest. Dude, that fucking theme song is hard as shit the older you get. Like, it was. Damn, now I, know I, had, my, I had that yeah. one and like three other stuck in my head, like yeah. mixing together. Yeah. Prince of Bel Air. 
Everyone oh, knows that one. That was easy. It's Will Smith did a good job of like solidifying that theme song into everyone's head. <laughs> that that's right. some, like it's rock and roll. Anyways, yeah, yeah. Well, hold on, hold on. We're almost done. Uh, did I forget anything? You got a shout out. What's eating for dinner? What are you eating for dinner, bro? Uh, <laughs> I'm making some chicken tacos. Damn. All right. Sounds so. Shout out to Megan the Stallion. I see you, girl. In fact, exactly five Instagram posts ago, you twerked something special. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of it. She did something with twerking. Caught in the I've thirst never... trap. Caught in I'm... the thirst yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, Instagram is terrible for me. Terrible. She did some kind of twerk I've never, ever seen before. It literally said, this is a new move I learned in New Orleans, and now I need to go to New Orleans. Uh, shout out to Michelle Obama. Shout out to Queen Yaki. Uh, hold up, let me click. I don't even know what this is. Let me click on this Instagram link right here. Oh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> shout out to Queen Nyaki. Uh, I have no shame in my ability to thirst. It is what it is. Uh, shout out to Georgia Curtis as well. Uh, I saw your Instagram post. Looks like you're going through it. I don't know why, but you are. I don't understand the mental. Jesse might. Uh, so, oh, she actually put the thirst emoji in here, Queen Yaki did. So shout out to you. You guys got any shout outs or are you good? No, nah, you did a good job. Yeah, shout All out right. to those chicken tacos. Mm, everybody yeah, did eight four, up. For serious. All right. Play the outro.